Welcome to Potter Revisited, episode 56. I'm Tori. And I'm Shay. Today we are covering chapter 19 of Prisoner of Azkaban, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. Or, as we like to call it, High School Reunion. We left off last chapter with uh, Snape um, doing his dramatic reveal. I love that. I love that for him. The drama, the intensity. Turns out he took Harry's invisibility cloak that he left behind so casually and... He's like, voila, I am here. Huzzah. You know what? I love his flair for the dramatics. You know, you've got to take these moments. So we've got Peter Pettigrew, Remus Lupin, Sirius Black, and Severus Snape just all hanging out. So it's really a nice, well, <laughs> a proper, very believable, classic high school reunion. We've got the old friends being chummy, reminiscing about that friend that died. Someone just got out of prison. Someone got really hot. It's Snape. A former friend turned out to be an asshole. And the guy who bullied you was there. I mean, I've never went to any high school reunion. So, I mean, this sounds correct based off uh, pop culture and films. <laughs> but, uh, my first thought reading this chapter is that, so Snape obviously knows that the invisibility cloak is Harry's because he probably knew that James had one from school. But like this, I think is his first time he's actually admitted that he knows Harry has an invisibility cloak. Yeah. So it's just interesting the confirmation be like, oh, Potter, thanks for your invisibility cloak. So like he definitely knows from this point on the series that he has confirmation that Harry has an invisibility cloak. Yeah, I mean, he definitely suspected it. There's times where he's reaching out in the darkness, like he knows there's someone there that's invisible. Yeah. I'm sure he has a lot of theories about all the stuff Harry does, but like right now he has confirmation that this part yeah. is true. He has an invisibility cloak, so. Also fun that uh, he mentions that uh, Lupin didn't take his potion, so it's a little foreshadowing for what's going to happen later. <laughs> Lupin should really stay on top of his meds. Like, I know it's an urgent situation, but he should really have like an alert set, you know? He was so caught off guard. He's like, what the fuck is this? Like, he completely spaced, spaced about it. And that comes back to bite him. But um, so Snape finds out where Lupin and I guess the trio are because he sees uh, Lupin just left the map like open. He didn't wipe it or anything on his desk. He didn't mischief managed it. His own map that he obviously was the brains behind and developed and he just leaves it open. That is reckless. Yeah, so Snape also, he is aware of the murder's map. The way he says it, he's like, oh, I saw the map. <laughs> so he definitely knows about the map as well. I think he just meant it's a, because it is the map is the thing. Like, I don't know if he knew about the map ahead of time, but he's referring, like, now he knows about the map. I feel like he knew about the cloak or had ideas about it. I feel like the map. I feel like he had some kind of inkling about it being a map. Like, even when he just took it from Harry a few chapters ago, like, he knew it was something. So I don't know if he knew it back when they were at school, but he definitely had an idea it was, it was something. So he knows it's map now and he's like, aha. I feel like seeing the map connected a lot of the dots for Snape. He's like, this is how they did that. That's how they got away with that. That's how he knew that. Like it's all coming together. The neurons are firing. So basically this chapter kind of starts out with Snape coming in really hot and kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. He sure is coming in hot, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> hot in that he is just like, has no chill. <laughs> so he's so consumed by hatred and vengeance that he won't listen to any reason. Lupin trying to be, you know, the reasonable guy we've talked about for like the last three chapters about how, like, you know, just great Lupin is at talking and everything. He won't listen to Lupin. He actually just like ba barely, Lupin barely says anything. And he's just like, oh, I'm done with you. And he ties him up with magic. I mean, to be fair, 
I know Snape should hear Lupin out, but I also know that if I were in his shoes or like boots, probably really cool black combat boots, I'm guessing, I would also be like not fully able to reason with. Like I would be pretty unreasonable. Yeah. I mean, he thinks that like the court of law and himself and Dumbledore and all the smart people he knows all concur that Sirius killed Lily. Sirius is the reason Lily is dead besides himself, his internalized guilt. Sirius is a big part of it. And he didn't know if he trusted Lupin, probably didn't, and he's been proven right. So, like, I feel like in this moment, there is no logic. Like, he's known these things to be truths for so long, and they've been reaffirmed as truths to him, that, like, like it was hard for Harry and Ron to lay down their guard and listen to Lupin, but they also didn't live their whole, like, the majority of their lives knowing what Sirius did, thinking about what Sirius did, ruminating on what Sirius did. So, like, it's such a shock for Snape. Like, he's so angry. Especially because Snape's so, um, he's very reserved and, like, very, like, cool. Not really calm, but, like, he definitely, it's, everything's, like, premeditated with him. And he's just very, like, unhinged in a way. Like, uh, when Sirius tries to say something, he basically threatens it with one being, like, give me a reason. It's, it's gonna, like, kill Black on sight. Like, I mean, yeah, not, you know, the judiciary system needs to. And it's interesting that uh, Hermione is the only one that like when Snape's kind of like, you know, threatening to kill Sirius in front of the kids and, you know, tying up Lupin. She's like, uh, Professor, shouldn't we like, you know, maybe hear them out? Because like, like I've been listening to them and I think that like they might be on something here. <laughs> I feel like Hermione's the only one out of the trio at this point that's like, capable of adult reasoning, kind of. Like Hermione is logic based and like they proved they proved a case to her exactly that made sense so she's like actually yeah so not only is she the most equipped to like explain to snape in logical terms why he should give them a minute she's also the most trustworthy to say wait give them a minute because she's probably out of the three the hardest to convince so it also would mean more coming from hermione because you're like okay ron and harry will believe any old thing oh hermione believes them also it hits different you know i also find i just find it interesting because hermione obviously is the one that like regards the rules the most and here she is kind of like talking back to a teacher i think it comes back to her like innate belief and like fundamental desire for like people on the side of good to always want to do the good thing like she's like yes I'm breaking the rules by talking back to a teacher and I'm breaking the rules by being in a room with a criminal but also I think if everyone here knew the circumstances they would all agree that stopping and listening is the right thing to do like she's like in hindsight everyone will agree with me so I'm going to move forward and they can all thank me later. And she also like kind of got like a firsthand account of like how the justice system failed Buckbeak. So she's like, well, if this guy didn't actually kill who he said he killed, then he should be innocent. And she's like, just needs just one win. Yeah. But uh, Harry, when he's describing the, like, the situation of uh, Snape and what he's doing, he describes that there's like a mad glint in Snape's eye that has never been there before. So like, like I said, this is kind of like the first times we get a sense that Snape is not fully in control of himself. I mean, he is the most controlled, I would say. Like, he's an asshole, but he's always like at a low simmer. Like, I feel like he is... Yeah, like, I feel like he he definitely has 
he's all his like whatever he does is always like pre-planned kind of like yeah he thinks things through and i think this is something he has control but i feel like he's kind of letting some of his cards show just more in just like the contempt and the anger he has for lupin and sirius here and how he would like ideally in the situation he should be handing them over to the authorities but you know he wants to like this is like his triumph over them from all those years ago when they tormented him at school and he's like getting one over them and it's just like he it's showing yeah i definitely think the getting one over them thing and the like i hate you because of school stuff it's like the petty level of it and there is a level of that to snape i'm not gonna say snape isn't petty but i think it's deeper than that like he's got like this low simmering anger that's been in him for years about i mean what happened to lily and it's like the number one defining moment in his entire life is what happened to lily and so like it's not just like oh i hate these guys because they were mean to me in school it's like these people are responsible for how I have felt for the past 13 years. Like the suffering, the pain, the guilt, all the things I'm going through to a lot of extent is the direct result of choices and bad things that these people did. Yeah, because he can't blame himself. <laughs> I mean, I think he does blame himself a lot, but... Yeah, but he projects a lot of it onto James, you know? I mean, in this moment, it's not about James. Like, he, I don't think, like, I mean, there's a part of him that hated James and these are James's friends, but I don't think in this moment he thinks about James at all. Like, it's not really his priority because James is like a surface level. I hate that guy. He's a dick. But James didn't kill Lily. They, in this moment, like, from the perspective of what Snape knows and has been reaffirmed by a lot of people and is generally believed to be the truth, Sirius killed Lily. And Lupin is helping Sirius, therefore, to some extent, he participated in or is okay with Sirius having killed Lily. And so I think, like, almost in this moment, he doesn't have the psychological capacity to even go through with his petty things in this moment, like the hate in his eyes is just like, you killed Lily. You know, you took the only good thing in my life and it's not in my life. And I hate you, you know? And like, I'm trying to imagine myself in his shoes. Like someone says this person that you loved was killed by this guy. And everyone says, yep, that guy did it. Everyone agrees that guy did it. Look how crazy and deranged he is. He goes around literally telling people, hey, I'm the reason they're dead. This is the type of thing Sirius <laughs> does say. And like, if I'm imagining someone I love were the one who had died in that situation, I can't think I would be logical or reasonable or wanting to listen to Lupin in this moment either. I'd be like, no, everyone knows he did it. Everyone knows that. Ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's such a, a deep hatred that like, if the information Snape had was true, would totally be justified. But uh, Snape uh, is, when he's talking about taking Black, uh, Sirius is just fine with going up to the castle. He's like, I'll go up as long as you bring the rat, because he's like, I have proof that that's Peter Pettigrew and Dumbledore will believe me. But Snape's like, we'll just bring into the Dementors right now. And he also basically says, we'll just bring Lupin too. And I'm just like, isn't like the Dementors kiss basically... I guess the wizarding world version of the death penalty, even though you're not really dead. So I feel like Lupin, is he, like, what part does he have in this? Because as far as Snape knows, he's probably an accessory. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done the full drawing out of like, so if we're in the perspective of Severus Snape right now with what he knows and like the ministry as well with what they know. So like Sirius Black in our minds was the man who got James and Lily killed and murdered Peter, or didn't murder Peter, just got James and Lily killed, then this is what it would actually look like for Lupin. So he's assisting a wanted fugitive, 
uh, in British law, the Criminal Law Act of 1967, uh, he would serve up to 10 years because the person he's assisting was convicted of the crime. Does he count as convicted if he didn't have a trial? <laughs> I mean, he went to prison. So yeah, I guess. So I think that's considered convicted in the wizarding world. Yeah. So it's 10 years for helping Sutterer, knowing the mass murderer has been overheard saying he probably wants to kill Harry as far as people know. So that's child endangerment. If it's a misdemeanor, it's one year, but they'd probably charge him with a felony because he was a teacher in a trusted position. Uh, then there's kidnapping because Sirius did drag Ron into that hole. And feasibly, the children have said multiple times they do not want to be there. Uh, so kidnapping is a minimum of 10 years. Uh, and those are just those crimes. But if we keep in mind that like we're from the perspective that Sirius did kill Harry's parents or did participate in killing Harry's parents and does want Harry dead, which is the general consensus among most people at this point, then Lupin could also be considered involved in conspiracy to commit murder with him, Mm -hmm. being the murder of Harry, and that would be a life. So uh, my browser history is looking hella incriminating right now. (laughs) The FBI is going to be looking at you. Uh, Yeah. So even if like they got a trial and Harry and Ron were kind of like, no, we weren't threatened by Lupin, we swear, they'd still be facing some charges. And from Snape's perspective and the ministry's perspective at this moment, Lupin is serving 25 years or life plus 25 years. So like, it's a pretty serious situation. And I can understand why Snape is not necessarily inclined to have a little listen. Yeah. But uh, Snape's very derogatory towards Lupin, like, especially around this part where he basically, as soon as he ties Lupin up, all he refers to him as, as like a wolf or a werewolf. And it's obviously meant to be derogatory. And I just find it really like, like, like he doesn't give Lupin any humanity. And it's especially hard to read when Lupin is basically bound and gag. He can't move. He can't speak for himself. And he's just like existing. And especially in front of the students as well, because like they're still kids and he's just re- referring to him as like, oh, werewolf. Well, I don't think like what he's saying in front of students matters to him at all right now, because this is like, again, it's. 13 years of anger finally coming out and he definitely shouldn't it's rude to like insult Lupin based on his illness and stuff like that but I think dehumanizing like to him the moment he saw Lupin was chummy with Sirius again Lupin was a part of killing Lily and was not a human to him he's like you're not a human being because she was the most wonderful person in the world she was your friend and you killed well I think he never saw Lupin as like proper because he's known he's a werewolf for like the last like whatever 15 years and obviously werewolf like hatred in the wizarding world is still very like a big thing i think snape does that but i think snape of all people is like like i don't think he's species racist i just think he sees it as another thing to use against lupin because he doesn't like lupin i feel like snape like especially as a half blood who grew up surrounded by death eaters who are pure blood elitists like he knows what it feels like to be sort of seen as lower status because of your blood or your genetics so i feel like he probably doesn't actually hate werewolves as a rule because i think he just hates lupin and it's something about lupin that he knows lupin is sensitive about and so he brings it up as much as possible you know which is a dick move but i don't necessarily think like if if mcgonagall was a werewolf i don't think snape would particularly give a shit you know I just think it's Lupin. It's like another excuse to hate Lupin. And if Sirius were a werewolf, he would hate Sirius too. But if 
Luna Lovegood was a werewolf, he would make her her potion and mind his business, I think. Well, if he was in a position of power, he probably had to. But I feel like at school, like he knew there was something wrong about Lupin. And so he spent all this time uh, trying to find out Lupin's secret, which I think is the reason why Sirius did the trick in the first place, even though like, the trick still doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, so and I feel like growing up, at least with like a half wizard mother, he would he's supposed to be knowing that the werewolves are dangerous and stuff. And it's just kind of like he feels like Lupin's not like shouldn't be around people like him. Okay, I think, well, not when he hasn't had his potion. You know, he should have his potion, then be around people. Yep, I'm going to give uh, Snape a sex point for um, taking his anger out on Harry, because Harry's, um, you know, Harry's just, like, stuck in the middle of this really weird situation, and I feel like Snape's kind of yelling at him and taking out his anger on Sirius, Remus, his dad, whoever, all the situation, but it's not Harry's fault. Harry's just caught in the middle of like these two guys being like, oh, he's not actually trying to kill you. It's this other guy that it was Voldemort's spy. And then he's got Snape being like, oh, your father was so arrogant. And like, like if you if died, you would deserve it. Like, my dude, <laughs> this is a 13-year-old kid that's like, doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, certainly not an appropriate way for a teacher to talk in front of a student or an adult to talk in front of a child. But also, I have no idea what, again, like in that situation, I think any of us would also be like, it's not about rules, it's not about decorum, it's about this person killed my loved one, everyone else get out of the way and let me handle the situation. But also with Harry, I think in this moment, Snape kind of feels betrayed. And I know that's a weird thing to say, because why? Well, how could Harry betray Snape? They're not friends, they're not buds. But I think like... The only thing that Snape can see in Harry that's like a humanizing trait that he can sort of relate to is that loss of Lily and like the anger and the sadness about what happened to Lily. And in this moment, it's kind of like in his mind, Harry is taking Sirius and Lupin's side and they killed Lily. So he's like, in this moment, you're deciding that you're okay with these people who killed your mother. Like, you lost Lily. I lost Lily. It's the worst thing that could happen to a person. And you're just going to forgive them. You're just going to move on. Like, I don't think Snape understands forgiveness or moving on or growth. But especially in this moment, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably a huge whiplash. Like, no, no, you're supposed to hate them too <laughs> with you. Yeah, but in, in this, like, kind of, like, tirade Snape's yelling at Harry, uh, Snape says that James was arrogant and how he died, like, believing that he was arrogant in his trust in Sirius because that was what basically, in Snape's view, led him to his death. And it's interesting that Snape sees that as arrogance rather than what it, to James, it's loyalty, because James had these really close friends that he would lay his life down for and trust of his life. And it shows how emotionally immature Snape is in this regard, because we know that he doesn't really have friends. He just serves Dumbledore out of, like, guilt. So he can't, to him, it doesn't make any sense why you would like lay your life down for someone like that because he's doing it out of this like weird sense of duty because Dumbledore manipulated him. Well, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't like a laying your life down. Like it's not like Sirius had to die to protect. Like I think because Sirius would have like, I think it's more that it's not so much like he doesn't understand loyalty because like Snape 
has shown loyalty, like not out of love, but he has been loyal to like Dumbledore and done stupid things he doesn't want to do for Dumbledore. I think it's just not understanding trust because I don't think Snape trusts anyone or has ever been in a situation where like he could trust someone or it was the right choice to trust someone for him personally. Like it, it just doesn't exist. So he can't fathom having just someone you trust enough to put your life and your loved one's lives in their hands. Like he's just, he's just never had that. So he's like, yeah, it's arrogance in Snape's mind. But I think really what his mind would convert it to, if he could be logical in this moment is like, he thinks it's stupid that James did that. He's like, what made you think in any stretch of your mind that you could ever entrust the lives of yourself and your most beloved people to someone to someone else besides yourself? Like no one but you will ever be able to protect you to the extent that you want to be protected. Passing off the safety of yourself and someone else is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows the difference between uh, James and Snape and also kind of Harry too, because Harry's also very much like James we see with how he views, like how he trusts people and how he kind of like, trust is a big thing for him. And just for Snape, that's never, he's never put his trust in someone and had it end well, I don't think ever. So he's like a hundred percent of the time, if you trust your friends, they'll let you die. And he trusted his friends and they let him die. How did he not see that coming? But like for everyone else, it's like, well, no, like, maybe 25% of the time your friends let you down and of that 15% is on accident like but but he just doesn't have those statistics so he thinks they're idiots he has a very limited sample of what happens when you trust others yeah Willie, that's it (laughs) but um Snape is not budging about like what he's gonna do and he's just you know being unhinged and determined to punish Lupin and Sirius and I guess uh, the trio all decide at the same time that you know they want to hear Lupin and Sirius out they don't want them to die or whatever and they all cast a spell Yarmus at the same time and they knock Snape out cold. I just think that's funny because the spell just yeets your wand like if anything his wand should yeet real far I guess it's they all did it at the same time and Lupin does later that they were too enthusiastic I can imagine like just kids you know being a bit unhinged with like their I sort of think of like kids playing with like the Wii U back in the day where you're playing Wii U ping pong and you throw the the, the ping pong paddle so hard you accidentally lose the remote you know like yeah definitely had to have the Wii remote like strapped onto your hand <laughs> exactly just dance can get aggressive isn't it funny because uh they all kind of stand in shock and then Hermione has like this panic afterwards where she's like freaking out being like we attacked a teacher oh my god I mean it's true you probably shouldn't but also in that moment they should have that's fair and then Sirius says uh you should have left him to me to them after they did that and I'm like and what what was he planning to do he had no wand Snape was like a second away from just murdering him on sight. Like, what is serious things he's gonna happen? Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I think Sirius just likes, you know, handling things himself. But I'm like, serious. Like these kids saved saved your ass. Like try and punch him, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. He's hostile. Sirius is a very like combative, hostile kind of guy. Hands on. Also, I think he would have enjoyed it. You know, I think that's got, he feels like he missed out on something that would have brought him a little bit of joy, which was hurting. (laughs) But um, a bit more uh, somber moment. But um, once they free Lupin and they get back to like kind of discussing why Sirius is innocent, Sirius goes back in time to kind of explain the backstory of, of learning 
about Lily and James and how he confronted Peter. And uh, just the recount, him recounting the night of like going to Lily and James's house, seeing it destroyed, seeing their bodies and everything is really difficult to see like you can tell he he is described being a bit choked up and like he obviously still holds a lot of guilt and like yeah it must be like we've talked about this backstory before and like the events leading up to Sirius and Peter's confrontation but yeah it must be it's really hard to imagine and it happened over 12 years ago but it's still like very fresh in his mind and it's probably his it's his like his last memories of like his real life before he just was locked in a cell for forever. So it's probably the most vibrant memory, even if it weren't also the most traumatizing. The rumination he must have done for years in prison, just thinking about that day. Like, honestly, it's the same as Snape. They both spent the past 13 years sitting there aggressively and angrily thinking about that day. Yeah, just in different ways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Sirius kind of explains all like the hidden bits and pieces that have happened this year that kind of like connect to like why he was going after Scabbers, which is interesting, especially his friendship with Crookshanks the cat. <laughs> Who would have thought? Seriously, Crookshanks, noted friend of dogs, Crookshanks the cat. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we find out Crookshanks stole Neville's password sheet. And also somehow more interesting, Sirius speaks cat. Like he speaks cat. They were they they he somehow as a dog can speak cat, which is amazing to me as a pet owner to think that I have a friend who could communicate with my animal. We don't think about this enough. Sirius could turn into a dog, have a chat with Crookshanks, turn back into Sirius, and be like, yeah, he would like some more wet food, and he prefers the turkey to the tuna. <laughs> I like that Hermione. She's calling him a Mister Black which I love. It's so Hermione to be like, he's an adult. I'll talk to him in the term, in respectful terms. And Sirius being so taken aback by it. He's like been in jail for years. Everyone probably calls him expletives. I just like, has anyone ever really called him a mister? He's just such like a rascal. I think maybe when he was a child, but I, it's certainly taken aback to have someone talk to him like that, like from a place of like, kind of like respect and authority. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been eating rats in caves for weeks and this nice young lady with a perfect attendance record has just- uh... <laughs> I just like that uh, Crookshakes has been vindicated as being a good cat. <laughs> yeah, vindication. He's like, I've been trying to eat that rat all year and you guys were so mad about it. And look who was right. Look who was right. The cat was right. Oh yeah. Always trust cats. So I feel like- the moment Harry believes Sirius didn't, but your blah 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 blah. blah. Oh my God. The moment Harry believes Sirius didn't betray his parents is kind of like hearing him recall like the backstory. I think Harry can kind of tell because I feel like they kind of shared like that emotional bond where he sees like he can see how much Sirius cares about his dad, about his parents, and the whole. And like as I said before, that James and Harry really shared that like really deep bond of like trust in your friends and like just like and like the idea of like friendships being like so meaningful and everything and so it's a big deal i also think it's especially easy to see emotions in other people that you can recognize inside yourself like he's seeing in serious what he's feeling in himself and i feel like in that moment like they're together in that and it makes it easier to trust him for sure knowing that they're feeling the same things but um after this is when um lupin and sirius force pettigrew slash scabbers to reveal his true self and when he does come out 
as Peter, he's described as looking rat-like. And I was wondering if that is like a consequence of him living for a rat for over 12 years, or did he always just look kind of like a rat? I like the idea that it's a consequence of living like a rat that you sort of like... Because we talked about before, but what kind of would happen to Peter after living as a rat for 12 years, like consecutively? Like it had to F up your body. I definitely think that it would have to have some type of physical toll on your body. But I also think that maybe the animal you turn into as an anime guy is sort of somehow influenced by the kind of person you are and maybe some of your physical characteristics as a person. Yeah, we talked about that too. Like if he chose to be a rat or if it was just kind of like... I don't think it's a choice. I wouldn't wouldn't say it's a choice. I think it just like... He's kind of sniveling, he's small, he's irritating, he's in your way, and he's kind of, like a rat is sort of like the term for someone who like rats out their friends, like a... He's vermin, he's full of disease. Yeah, it like kind of makes sense for who he is. And then with Sirius, he turns into a dog. And like blind loyalty is kind of a big Sirius. Like he he loves you. He loves you forever. He'll literally bring you your newspaper in the morning and like you can give him belly rubs. And if someone knocks on the door, he'll eat them, you know? Like, so I can see elements of their personality that correlate well with what they turn into. So I feel like he probably was a bit rat-like beforehand, but certainly I'd like to think that there's some borderline rat-esque like formations in his physical form now like the way his hands are in my mind should be a little bit like curved in and clawy because of the rat life and like his spine I think there's going to be some sort of like spine curvature repercussions of running around on all fours for 13 years and a tail just a little one can't see it because he has pants but (laughs) yeah it's never really discussed but like he's always described as being having like like a rat in the like face with like beady eyes and and, like kind of a pointed nose and i'm like well he lived with this rat for 12 years so i feel like some things have to happen because i feel like animagi that's not like what it's intended for you're not supposed to live as an animal for like years very strange to think about like picturing him if you like picture him like, it's actually kind of really scary what he looks like in my mind. Like, not like a children's book level of scary. If they kind of made him look more scary in the movie, but I get it's still a family movie, so that he looks kind of like... Yeah, they, they, they went child-friendly, but I feel like he's a lot more horrifying in my mind. Yeah, he could look a lot more horrifying. Like, really pointed, like, nails and, like, yeah, his spine all, like, curved over. Like, yeah, he could have looked really gross. But, uh, of course, Ron's uh, biggest, uh, you know... Thing about uh, seeing his poor rats. <laughs> he slept on my bed for years. Yep. Like, honestly, same, Ron. That is so, 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 so creepy and, like, invasive. Like, he slept on his pillow. Like, that, that's a grown man. Peter is basically, he's always, they're basically interrogating him, which is kind of funny because Lupin's being, like, a nice cop, even though... Lupin's always good cop. He knows Peter's full of shit at this point, so they're... Re- Bad cop, medium cop. <laughs> yeah, because Lupin's talking very nicely, but he's not saying nice things. <laughs> but uh, so Peter's like going around to the, the kids being like, oh, you believe me, don't you? And Ron's whole thing is just like, I let you sleep in my bed with me. What the fuck? Yeah. And I think it's a big thing where um, Peter is just like grasping at like any kind of straws these days. And the fact that he goes out to hair and he's just kind of like... Like, oh, you look just like James and just talking about the family that he doesn't have anymore. Like, that is disgusting. Like, you know what you did. 
Like, do you have any empathy for dignity? Disgusting. That is repulsive. He has no dignity. I think that's what it is. He's like, he'll, he has no pride. He has no dignity. He has no self-respect. He'll just do whatever it takes to make himself survive. That's all he has. Yeah. Because he goes back and forth being like, oh, Voldemort forced me. And they're like, no, you, no, no, he didn't because you were a spy for a year before them. I'm like, oh, well, Voldemort was taking over anywhere. I was scared. And I'm like, you just admit you're a shit person. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bad person. And my only priority is my own life. That's it. That's all. Yeah. So basically Lupin and Sirius decide, you know, to murder Peter together as friends, you know. Friendship moment. Cute. Love it. Just bestie things. But uh, Peter comes to, Har- to, to Harry and he's just like, James would have understood. Like, he wouldn't have wanted them to kill me. And I was thinking about that. Like, do we think that if James had survived or let's say off chance that Lily, Harry and James had survived, that James would have forgiven the attempt to murder on his family? Because we've known James just in like, background information from other characters and we know that he was a very loyal guy and he like loved his friends but i'm like that was it was a serious betrayal like in what world do you i don't think james would have forgiven the like the murder of his wife and child yeah if just james survives so like harry and or lily dies but james survives that's interesting i think if lily died james would kill him i don't know if i'd see james like committing murder I mean, I don't know if he would do it. I think he wouldn't stop Sirius from doing it. Yeah, I just because like, things that we don't know enough about James, and I'm like, I don't know if I could see him committing murder. Like I could Lupin and Sirius here right now because we know them better. Like I don't think I could see him like sitting there and planning it out and then going out to do it. I think if it happened and then he saw Sirius, he would k- probably kill him on the spot because like not thinking it through, not what are my intentions, how do I feel about murder, what are my opinions on capital punishment. It would just be like purely an emotional decision and not logic i think if lupin and him sat down beforehand and we're like so what are we gonna do about Sirius?" he would probably come to some sort of like oh no we'll have him arrested and send him to azkaban yeah also peter knows like this idealized version of james that like didn't know he was a spy for over a year and is dead so he's like oh yeah james wouldn't let me die i'm like well we would we don't know because you got him killed because he's dead we just don't know i don't know i feel like I don't know James Potter at all, and I kind of don't love him. <laughs> Noted not the biggest fan. Yeah. You only get hate for him from Snape and blind love for him from everyone else. Yeah, it's like you get little tidbits. Like, we get some from Hagrid, some from Dumbledore, some from McGonagall and stuff, but it's like we don't get really a full picture of James, just a few tidbits from when he was in school. We don't really get anything after school, but we get more about Lily because of Petunia and Snape and... Also, the few friends that Harry has that talk about his parents. I feel like what it comes to is that, like, Snape only hated James. And everyone else who knew James well, even if there were things they didn't like about James, they're not going to tell that to his son now that he's dead. Like, they're just not going to say those things. Like, oh, he was an alcoholic and he cheats at cards. And, like, if you play Monopoly with him and you take Railroad, he will flip the board. Like, they're not going to tell Harry those things. They're just going to tell Harry the good things so he remembers his father in, like, that glow of idyllic father character. Um so we don't get to know anything about James, but I like to think that he's a petty man. <laughs> I think Lily's taste in men is exclusively, I need to be a petty boy. She only likes men that are petty. It's why she was friends with Snape. It's what she saw in James. And I think that because Peter Pettigrew fought so long to just be alive, and that was his only motivation, I think James would let him live, but make it the most miserable time 
a person could ever possibly have. Because that, to me, is the petty option. I mean, it's, it showed that James has a lot of trust in Dumbledore. I mean, he gave Dumbledore his invisibility cloak. So I can see him just handing him over to Dumbledore. Dumbledore, you sort this out. Okay, so I had a bunch of uh, off-topic uh, little discussion points that are kind of related to the murders. So one of them was, uh, what if Snape had heard Sirius and Lupin out here instead of, like, freaking out and going to try and kill slash arrest them? So, I mean, in that circumstance, he would have stood there and let them talk. And then... Been really angry, but probably realized there was more to the story than what he thought. And so I think the first thing he would do would spell all three of the adults unconscious. <laughs> Step one, I don't want to deal with your talking, bringing you to the castle. I think while they're unconscious, he would levitate them and like bring them into the castle while not so accidentally smashing their heads on every door frame they walk by. Because again, petty, <laughs> uh, you know. I think he would bring them to Dumbledore and say like, okay, Dumbledore, let them explain their crap. And then I guess we should call the ministry, you know, and have this guy arrested. And I hate them all, but he now would be mad at Peter. Now that he knows Peter's the one who did it, he would want Peter to suffer. So I think he'd say, let's call the ministry and let's get this guy thrown in Azkaban for forever and ever and ever. But I don't think any of that would serve Dumbledore's best interests. I don't think that benefits Dumbledore. Um, so having Sirius free, proven innocent, and able to spend time with Harry and protect Harry and build a strong father-like relationship with Harry would reduce Dumbledore's ability to manipulate Harry. So I think Dumbledore would say, no, the ministry will never believe that. Sirius, you can go free, but you need to stay in hiding because that's important. I think Dumbledore would say something super obnoxious to Peter Pettigrew because of who Dumbledore is. Like he'd say something like, ah, yes, Peter, I always knew you were susceptible to evil influence. I am so disappointed. I had hoped you would have been better, but alas, I was proven right. You know, very Dumbledore. I knew. I gave you a chance, but I definitely knew the whole time because that's how Dumbledore is. And I think like he wouldn't even be that concerned about Peter. I think like after he's made sure Sirius isn't going to have too good of a father relationship with Harry, he'd probably like start working on like, I don't know, not firing Lupin because Lupin didn't turn into a werewolf, I'm guessing, in this situation. They got back to the castle in time and Lupin took his potion. So if Lupin didn't turn into a werewolf... He wouldn't fire Lupin. If Lupin did turn into a werewolf, he would fire Lupin because, again, that's dangerous with a bunch of children. I think Snape, being very mad about everything, and specifically in this moment at Peter, would turn Peter back into a rat and then let Crookshanks eat him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that is, that's the solution. I see that, like, maybe, I don't know if Snape would, like, summon Dumbledore there but definitely get Dumbledore involved. And then I don't know if Dumbledore could actually stop, uh, like, uh, Sirius from being, like, bringing Peter to the ministry and all that stuff. But I do think that he would try and keep Sirius busy with order things to do when he's free to kind of keep him, you know, you have to go do these important, dangerous things for me to kind of, like, you know, get to, onto Sirius's reckless, crazy side, send him away with Lupin or something. So I definitely do think that having Sirius free and kind of like with Harry kind of like disrupts the bond that Dumbledore only wants with Harry and Sirius is more likely to question his shit than uh, if he if he's free, it gives more options. But yeah, 
in all likelihood, Snape would uh, never hear Lupin and, and Sirius out, so. I mean, like, they could have probably spelled him to listen. Like, that's an option. But it was all very heat of the moment. And uh, it's always fun to, like, think of all, like, the what ifs uh, in the series. Yeah, and I don't think, like, wanting Sirius to be, like, resolved of being seen as guilty would matter to Snape. But I do think that holding Peter accountable if he actually had a part in what happened to Lily is something that would matter to Snape. And I think that's what would motivate him to bring that to light and talk to people about it and tell Dumbledore and like want, he would want justice and terrible things done to Peter. So that would motivate him. He would do the right thing out of hatred and spite is what I do the right thing out of hatred and spite. That's Snape's Snape's whole whole life, his whole existence. But do you, do you have any uh, thoughts before we wrap up? My closing thoughts are uh, this episode, Tori said, Severus Snape came in hot, and we're going to remember that forever. Might be my new ringtone. I need to work on my uh, phrases. <laughs> yeah, my closing remarks are just, you know, Snape is a very controlled person, generally, we see through the series. And this is the kind of the book where, like, you know, his past kind of comes to get him and he loses his cool a bit. We see that, like, kind of in this chapter and also later on after Dumbledore, you know, MacGyvered and, like, fixes things without telling him. <laughs> so once again, Snape goes out there and tries to investigate and is actually trying to protect Harry and the school from danger and serial killers. And what does he get for it? Nothing. Zilch. Zero. Zip. All of the people who partook in the destroying of the secret protecting the Potters get away with it in this book. And that sucks for Snape. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Potter Revisited. And we'll be back next time to discuss chapter 20 of Prisoner of Azkaban. The Dementor's Kiss. If you have any thoughts or anything you'd like to let us know, you can email us at podrevisitedpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on social media at podrevisited and we'll see you next time. Bye!